No, levels look pretty good. I mean, do you know how to figure out levels? I don't know how to do any of that shit. <laughs> let's, let's get recording. You do the, you know, do a rap or whatever we're gonna do. Nobody, nobody can step to the DDC. Rapping with the trap like lid. hit by a semi When I press play, let's say Pretty much everything is on display Love what you do, be who you be See who you are, love what you see And listen, just so you guys know, as a little bit of a rule of thumb, you can edit out this later. I will talk forever if you don't curb me. So if you, I will go. <laughs> no, it's cool. We I will go. Wanna, you have to kind of give me the. Long. No, so we'll, we'll we'll do our like quasi formal intro. Uh, I'm Tim. My name's Rich. And in the studio we have Aaron James Draplin. Yeah. All right. Larger than life, Aaron James Draplin. We are very excited to have him on the design clutch today. Uh, let's start with Aaron. What do you believe in? What do I believe in? Well, what do I believe in? Fairness, equality, uh, working hard, um, being independent, uh, doing whatever it takes to make a buck, knowing how to say thank you along the way. I mean, I'm going into you know my bits from the show and stuff, but yeah, uh, trying to get away with cool things, you know, and somewhat ethically along the way, you know. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of that. What do I believe in? I believe in, uh, uh, what else do I believe in? I believe in uh, uh, the grand insignificance of the universe and how we have no idea, like right this very second, it's real, that we are on a rock in the middle of nowhere, floating in the middle of nothing. I believe in that weird mystery yeah. and love that and allow that to try to help make sense of why Donald Trump's exist and stuff, you know, like, like, why, why? <laughs> well, why does the universe expand in every direction simultaneously? And what does it expand into? Is it nothing? Is it something? Is it, is it, and yet people are worried about typefaces <laughs> and worry about their way their hair parts and shit. Okay. Right. So I believe in things that are mis- mysterious, you know, no brand to it, no flavor or right. Pantone number, just infinite void Blackness is very interesting. Just, just nothing uh, is really just just looking as far and one like if you look in one direction forever, do, are you looking at the back of your head? That's pretty interesting. That's what I've been thinking about in my forty-second year. Yeah. A lot. So yeah. yeah. What do you believe? What do you guys believe in? Uh, we we believe in all of that. Um, but but we want to. I mean, you, we we brought you here because we love you and we want to hear well, kind of. We want to get the straight gospel from from you know, Aaron James Draplin. Uh, so when. An interesting parallel to that thought, like, what yeah. do you believe in, is how is that reflected in your work? Well, you know, like, when you say, what do you believe in, like, you know, I believe in hard work. And I believe in taking a lot of little jobs and letting them stack up. I've had the big job, but I've also had the privilege and the sort of randomness and the chaos uh, to be able to say, I'm going to just see how many things I can do in one year. Now, interestingly enough, that's how I got ahead. No, because I could take everything. Now, what were other people doing in their 28th year? I don't know. Drinking, fighting, having babies. Uh, I don't know. You know, getting in trouble, getting out of trouble. I chose the path of, like, starting to get ahead. So for my 30s, I worked a ton. I, I enjoyed it. It, may, it sounds like I'm, like, going into prison or something. But, no, <laughs> I, I went and made a, a pretty conscious choice to say, I'm going to see what I can get away with. So I got free from sort of agencies and start like rules and sort of meetings and all that kind of like professional stuff right around 30 and um 
embarked on my own thing. And this the idea of like, I knew hard work and determination and all that stuff and excuse me, being a good team player and all those sorts of things. I know those things are true. But then I had to apply them to this new thing for myself, you right. know. But really, when you talk about belief, I learned a bunch of new things to believe in, which were just like, bigger isn't better. Um, right. The big Nike job in town, hmm, I've done a couple of them, but you don't have to keep fighting for them. You can do the crappy no-name job and still make your Comcast rent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. But then you got to go do something else to make your something something, you know, your uh, 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 garbage rent. Like I, when I got out, I figured out my budget, and the number was this much. And I was like, wow, that's your rent, that's your thing. I am responsible for, let's just say, two grand a month. The first logo, that's six grand. That covers three months. You got to pay your taxes. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Like the belief system, we'll just say? Yeah. It was really clear, and I quickly realized no one was telling me this shit like two months ago. I can get ahead quick and never, ever, like, have to, like, hate the job. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you know how to wrap that into some neat little belief system, but I didn't think that was really possible. Right. Until I went and kind of did it. And it was just like people gave me a little nudge and said, you don't have to be in here fighting it out with these meetings and shit. You mm-hmm. can go do this. You're going to see. Oh, okay. Now the Midwestern in me is like scared of that. But in no time, like seriously, a month, it was spelled out. And in the next 12 years, you know, I have worked. So. Yeah. When, when you were, you grew up in Michigan, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so when you were a little guy, did you see any tendencies then, like in your, in your personality that, that like you see in yourself now yeah. that kind of serve you well? Well, I remember kids, okay. Remember the kid in high school that would just do, are we allowed to swear in this thing? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. okay, okay. Yeah. And then I could be like, you know, <laughs> you know, it goes on some line or George Carlin. No, 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 no. But the idea is remember the kid who would tell the teacher like to fuck off or something. Remember that kid yeah. in class? Like yeah. the one who was the scariest one in class who would just be like, disrupt the whole class, say something profane, you know, whatever. Yeah. I was never allowed to be that on any sort of level. I had good mom and dad. I had a job. I had, we went to church. Uh, we had rules. Um, you know, I had little sisters and things. And obviously those kids who went crazy like that, they came from different families and had problems and you know, there's always something like that. But uh, I learned how to work and take it on the chin pretty early, which wasn't all that bad. So in the Midwest, you have to have a job to pay for your crappy four-door, you know, Chevy Despair, you know, not even like a wagon, it's just a car. Right. You know, a car. You either get a two-door or a four-door car in the Midwest. You, everyone, ha- Every kid has a job by the time he's 13 because that's a pace for your skateboard decks and your things and your stuff. So, like, I learned how to take direction. I learned how to have a terrible boss early. And it was just reality. And it was just like, yeah, that's just how it is. Right. Listen, the guy walks out of the room, and you all look at each other. Fuck that guy. He walks back in the room, and you know how to deal with it. I know the kids who couldn't deal with it. I met those kids growing up, and it scared the shit out of me because I knew how to handle that. So the client pushes back. What, what happens at 42? You know, oh, the <laughs> client wants to see this. What are our first things? Oh, those clients. I can't believe they didn't pick the first fucking thing I showed them. No, you're, it's a process. Right. So I'm in, this, I'm in the throes of a logo right now. We are way out of scope. But who cares? I enjoy making logos. It's my job to make this woman something that she is going to love. So yeah. 
that never feels like the guy saying, you need to, I need you to be here all weekend working. I had those guys. I dealt with those things. So I know about that world. Now, that will quickly transfer or translate into an interviewer saying, that's kind of a blue-collar aesthetic or a blue-collar ethic or ethos. And it's like, no, it was just a shitty jobs in the Midwest ethos. We didn't have opportunities to go into internship. You meet kids from the East Coast. Their parents sent them to fucking, like, camps in the summer. We didn't have any any of that. You know who went to camps? The bad kids went to camps. They went to, like, you know, like pre-juvie or whatever. I don't know, whatever. You know, they went to camp. You know, we didn't. We didn't get to go to, like, dinosaur camp or, like, you know, like, summer camp. And it was, oh, it's so hard to spend the whole summer away from home. Like, we had none of that shit in northern Michigan. So we had jobs. And the jobs were, like, it was like society. There's the, the, the mean guy. There's the good, the couple good dudes. There's, you know, guys smoking, guys fighting, guys getting in trouble. You know, I mean, there's these little microcosms. And it's, like, terrifying to me to think that a kid doesn't really taste that now until he's, like, 22 or 23 out of school armed with big degrees and entitlements and things and stuff and like the softest hands ever you know like, I mean you know what I mean like no no I know exactly what you mean like I wonder in the last 10 years like has you know having to give stitches is just basically you know, no one has to get stitches anymore no right. one gets cut no one falls on broken glass I fell on broken glass skateboard you know what I mean whatever you know yeah. like no one does that shit because your parents are watching you and you're just not no one get, there's no stitches anymore you know because no one gets cut I think about that weird shit anyway. Yeah. yeah. No, I've, I've got a buddy in Boston who his dad was a machinist for GE. Yeah. You know, and he was a database administrator. <laughs> My dad sold tools to machinists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, right. Those are soft hands. for you. But, hey, he still works or they work, you know, whatever. But it's like. I do want to ask about the skateboarding thing. So when did you start skating? When did you... Did you go up skateboarding? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Most of my life. 85, 86 were Makaha. Crappy little Makahas from somewhere. My dad got one from a yard sale. 87, 88 would have been my first Veriflexes. Veriflexes. But but we'll just say decks that were like wide. Sure. Right. Uh, 87 would have been my first deck from a skateboard which was um, skateboard shop which was a Nash execute or no 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 Brand X XCon it's in the book okay. um, Brand X XCon um, but the idea like you make these jumps the jump to the Brand X those were things you got off the wall at the skate shop yeah. my mom got me one of those because I was a big kid and I broke my board <laughs> one afternoon and she just took me right down and I got a new I didn't have to save or work for it you know what I mean she just got me one it was wow. the coolest thing so then when I you know a couple of months later I had my, my, my job and I was you know then it would have been all the Santa Cruz stuff SMA okay. uh, uh, early 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 what world industry stuff you know so, like um, um, what yeah. about the whole, like, Pal Peralta vision wasn't, base? I wasn't into, I had Vision Streetwear shoes and some pants. Jason Jesse decks. I had uh, a couple I had a couple Jeff Grosso's. Okay. And um, then I got into Black Label, which would have been towards the end of that stuff. Um, yeah. But towards the end of all that, probably, let's just say, the last deck I had as a still trying to skate mini ramps 23-year-old were, like, eight-ply beer cities from M- Milwaukee. Which were just like eight wide, eight ply, yeah. ever slick. That's like your eighth ply. Yeah, I remember ever slick. It's a, a little extra something because I'm a yeah. big guy, right? Because <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm a big dude, but I was a little smaller, you know, then. But the idea is, those were beefy boards, and that that was that era of like, you know, the boards were getting 
the tiny wheels. Yeah, the popsicles. And I never really did that. I, I kept it all about 58s, 59s, 60s. You know, I still have a Tom Knox Everslick that I would go rip around down. Just don't even lift the wheels, you know, because falling just hurts. Um, it's not fun. Oh my god, buffalo over here, water buffalo over here. Fall now, it sucks. But I've got 70, 70 cryptos on that thing. Wow, you know, some big one sixty nine Indies that are like they're too big. They're just too big. I had fifty nines growing up, you know, but they're just a little too big. And I did the full experience. I, I considered myself a skateboarder. Yeah. I had punk rock T shirts, and I wore holes in a slime balls t-shirt that was my favorite t-shirt but we did this we did this it's in the book too you know emulating yeah, all, this, all the jim phillips stuff emulating like it made all of our own little tech decks and shit back in the day the little like you know fingerboards and stuff we made we made those things and would use those things you know in class or whatever um but you know 95 96 we were already out west and i was snowboarding I just kind of fell out of it. I think I, I kind of just jumped out of it in about 98, 97. Okay. Still would roll around. But the idea of, like, like last summer, my, my, my gal Lee has a, you know, he, he'd been 15 and skates, you know, with some you know, scrubby buddies. And you know, he's learning how to, like, ollie up a, up, a, up, a, up a curb, you know. I remember not even having to think about it. He's just riding. Yeah, right. I was afraid to try to ollie up the curb. I was afraid to, like, just, it's a six-inch curb. <laughs> I was afraid to, like, this acid drop off. But I got the courage that day at 41 years just to kind of go and, like, ride off it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if you Wilson it at this age and I break my, my elbow <laughs> or something, it's bad. So I see my buddies who are still, like, into it and know what they're doing and just am in complete awe because it's just, like, they're still doing it. They're 45 years old and they're Sounds doing it. it. It's pretty cool. Do you yeah. still skate? Um, occasionally. My son's kind of getting into it. How old's your son? I do it a little bit with him. He's 10. Oh, the best. So yeah. I do it a little bit, not as much. Just and roll I've, around. Just I've roll changed around. a lot since yeah. I used to skate, sure, so sure. I'm a little off balance. My center of gravity has changed. It's scary. Right? I mean, it's think of what you used to do and how you used to do it and not think about it. Yeah. And well, that's when I get sad. So I don't think yeah, about that. Yeah, I just yeah. try and have fun. Yeah. Now, when we talked to Benji, <clears throat> one of the things he mentioned was how important... Oh, he is filled with lies, by the way. That's <laughs> <laughs> my buddy. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, um, Benji, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He talked about the culture of skateboarding and how, yeah. in a way, that was really influential for him as he, like, in his life, but also as he started building his brand and, yeah. and that, you know, that, that, that was, was there something to that sort of community? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I riff on it big time in the book because it's like, okay, here's... Here, what, what was I just doing? I was on a podcast talking about this. But well, I'm trying to think of, okay, you can edit this out. But anyway, of course, because what skateboarding and snowboarding instantly told me, you could make your own brands and your own stuff and your own things. Now, did football players, were they making their own gear? Were they, were they putting their own stickers on their helmets and shit? Fuck no, they weren't. And you know what? <laughs> 20 years later, they're a bunch of apes who are into like, oh, the Blazers lost. Like, who gives a fuck, you know? <laughs> Sorry, you know, fans, but... You know, it's this thing where it's like skateboarding made it okay to, like, have our own inside jokes, inside fashions, inside BMX, all right. that stuff. California bullshit culture, sure. But it made it okay to have your own art and bands and things completely aside from whatever was cool in 1991, which was the band More Than Words. That's what our high school song was, okay? <laughs> Fuck, man, right? Well... We, the night that, like, 
we were supposed to go to like whatever rally for that when mm-hmm. they announced that and they announced the yearbook we were coming back from the butthole surfers in Detroit. Wow. That was my life. We were introduced to all this acid-drenched weirdo bullshit of which I had nothing to do with any like the druggy side. I was just afraid. Right. Um, but at least we knew about it. And we started to learn about art, counterculture, and it was okay. See, yeah. the pressure systems that's a bunch of apes playing, you know, team sports and all the bullshit, you know, right. it's its not okay to think out of that because you'll be ostracized for being a pussy or you'll be ostracized for being a little different than the five apes who run. I tried my hand at football. It was <laughs> stupid. I mean, we grew up playing it as like, you know, like loved it in our little hometown. Right. But skateboarding, it was just like, I don't know how to say it. It's like colors were brighter all of a sudden. Uh-huh. Uh, it was our colors. I don't know how to. You know, no, now, that's now, now, all these years later, I've had this time to like sort of articulate it. But yeah, now when I see Benji starting a polar, yeah. I totally get it. He's gonna make it just exactly how it feels good to him and to us. And to us is a weird word. He understands that. You understand that. Yeah. There could be another kid that did not ride his bike with the skateboarders or grew up skateboarding or skateboard or whatever, right. who would not get that because they were playing fucking Nintendo or something. No, I mean I had my ass kicked for carrying my skateboard in high school. Not quite kicked, but pushed around by jocks. That creates a big chip on your shoulder. But I saw those fuckers a couple summers ago, and they're nothing. I mean, they're nothing. You know, I mean, you know, they're just they're just tax paying, forgettable fucks. And I'm so thankful that I had the dead candies on the back of my jean jacket. Yeah. Because it was risky and it was my mind was expanding. You know, the dead candies were cool. Oh they were weird and it was like, you know, fuck the government and all this stuff. These dudes like, you know, who won? Who's getting some, some TNA? I mean, these are just dumb apes. <laughs> and all these years later, like, I'm so thankful that that group that I got in with, it was fair to girls. It was fair. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like we're the bestest, fastest, coolest. It was like, I don't know how to say it. That opened up all the doors of culture, art, free thinking, all of it, you know, right. thinking for yourself. You know, yeah. we would cut up our grip tape and, like, yeah. do stuff like that. Yeah. We'd make shirts. We'd draw lots yeah. of graphics and stuff like that. But when I fought, saw my first zine, yeah. that's when my mind exploded because yeah. I thought, I can go and make this. I have access to a copy machine. I can make as many zines as I want. I can yeah. take pictures, do all this stuff, and I can put something out into the world. It's like a license that, that just is handed to you. That blew my mind. And, and it's, it's not I – don't, I don't know how to say it. It's like, okay – the, the learning curve, let's just say 10 years before when I was having my mind blown. So let's, that would be 1977. Right. Go back 10 years before that. That's 1967. And then you have things like Black Panthers or things like the student, you know, what SDS, Democratic, right. you know, whatever, you know, student movements and stuff. It's like no, there was zero hand guide for them how to go do that stuff. They looked at like right. revolution. You know, the, like, like the sort of like mechanics of revolution to get these things met. They were protesting a war. Ours is a little different. We were just making sure. dumb logos for skateboards and stuff. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you go up 10 more years, it did feel daring and it felt like really liberating. Right. There's a language to it, too. Yeah. Stoked, rad, gnarly, sick, all these dumb things that like now I just cringe when I hear the word dude. <laughs> because I just quit saying it like in 2003. I'm dude free since 2003. <laughs> because it's like the first time you hear your uncle go, dude, look at my Vans. And you're like, why are you wearing Vans? 
that's the day I, I, co- I coined the term Uncle Vans because they're all big and giant. You know, those ones you get at like, oh, terrible. And that's Uncle Vans, man. You know, just all big. Hey, man, I got Vans. What do you think? Right. That's the day I was just done with all this because it was like, you know, but that's, you know, here's the deal. If a kid, you said you have a 10-year-old, if he wants to be a scientist, um, a nerd, a Lego guy, a video gamer, a skateboarder, a soccer player, fuck it. He gets to pick. But I, I'm just so happy that, like, you go to the skate park now, and it's, like, filled. And there's kids on razors and yeah. snake boards and shit and whatever, clackety things <laughs> and all that garbage. But there's still a kid who can – it's, like, it's kind of okay to be a skateboarder now, right. you know? It wasn't then. It kind of wasn't. And there was a chip on your shoulder, and I'm so thankful because it taught you, you know, think for yourself, you yeah. know? Yeah. I'm just really thankful because – I remember the guys who took the safe route. <laughs> and not that they're, I'm better or worse or anything, but, God, we had better bands to listen to. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, then. Yeah. Yeah. So Our, is this the first time you sort of had, like, Drop Zine? Is yeah. that, was that, like, your first brand? Yeah. Well, that just would have been, like, I wanted to make a zine. I was yeah. learning. I was seeing things like um, um, Strange Notes yeah. coming back from, you know, like, they would throw it in with your... Uh, with your, you know, your CCS order or something. And uh-huh. it's like that little thing, which was really well well designed and well polished, sure. I had to draw the entire thing. And it's really kind of this neat little thing. In the middle of nowhere, no one told me you could just cut the pictures up, paste them on the page, then go photocopy them. You just have yeah. to learn it. It's a weird little thing. But then you got to get to see, like, I remember there was an, there's an ill-fated issue, too, that my buddies... We're going to produce in our little... Uh, oh, you only made two? Well, I only got to the second one. <laughs> and we gave them the files, and they were going to produce it at the Votech school we went to. I was in the computer-aided drafting zone. These guys were in the um, like the design class. And because they were producing something, that they were they got in trouble. And they had to, like, get rid of the, you know all the stuff. I have the original metal plates from the two colors we we're going to try to do. And someday I'll, like, reproduce those. I mean, it's, like, just terrible, like, record reviews and junk and skateboard shit. And, you know, my little Traverse City skateboard rap buddies talking shit about each other. But there were a couple. There, were, there weren't a lot of zines. There's, you know, each class there's one kid that will be the kid who makes the zines. Yeah. You know, and then he gives them to his buddies and then the next kid below. I mean, but, like, if like I remember when I went to San Francisco the first time. I was 15, 16. And I got to see every bit of culture, like graffiti kids, hip-hop kids, city kids, um, homelessy kids doing it, like crusty kids, you know, Um, kids that were hooked on drugs, kids who were that vehemently straight edge, all that stuff. You know, maximum rock and roll for me was really like a hand guide to all the flavors of what was happening on the West Coast. Because in Portland, there were skinheads and shit you read about. But equally, there were like these like nihilistic poison ideas and shit. But they um, were like punk rock skinheads, right? Yeah, not yeah. like well, white no, supremacists. No, no. Oh, they white, had to, oh, no, okay. no, no, no. Ah. Like, like Portland actually has a weird history of real intense, really rough skinhead, like racist shit. I mean, I, I don't. I had some friends 80s, who yeah. were like skinheads, but it was more like. Yeah. Skinheads, working class right. type skinheads. Yeah, that's a little that's a little different. And this is like just yeah, good old like <laughs> like the, the race wars going down shit. And sure, they were fighting right. kids that didn't look like them here in even little goofy Portland, you know. And it's like I wouldn't know about that because I got out here in about '93. But there were you you know when we got here, it was like indie rock was exploding. So it was like 
you know, it's like smashing pumpkins, lemon heads, Jesus, lizard, all that bullshit was like every day there was something to see. But we were going, coming from Mend, where we were snowboarders and skateboarding during the day, you know, and you know, snowboarding, whatever, during the day in the winter. Um, come up here to see bands and shit up here, you know, and hanging out. And we saw so many bands. But just yesterday, my partner I work with, Dave Nakamoto, um, was, he said, did you ever go to EJ's? I never went to EJ's. There's just this one club in town that had, I've seen a million flyers from EJ's. I knew Satyricon. I knew X-Ray. I knew uh, La Luna, which we saw a million things. But see, maybe that was like the next like obscure place to go. It was enough for us to go to La Luna, which was like, go see Hole. Our monster magnet, huh. Melvin's. That was enough. Mud honey. That was right. enough for us. I mean, <laughs> we were having to drive from where we were in northern Michigan. We have to drive 300 miles to go see that shit in Detroit. Right. And you get your car stolen. <laughs> and I'm totally serious, too. Like, your car would get stolen. And it was like, um, to get out here, you know, we got to see, we'd go skate Burnside in the mornings because you couldn't show up at, like, a normal hour there and, and get around. Those are, like... Badasses at that time. Sure. Yeah, four in the afternoon on a Friday, that's when the badasses are doing it. We'd be at serious like seven forty five on like a Tuesday morning, ripping around where like people are sleeping on tops of things. I, mean, I remember this. <laughs> you know? I remember we went there one time and Green Day was there before a bad religion show. They were just little kids. So oh, if, wait, the Green, Green, the Green Day, Day was it Green Day. Yeah. Well, Green Day and Bad Religion, they were touring together, right? You saw that tour then. Yeah, and yeah. and the ninety four, ninety three. Yeah. Yeah. Well I remember uh <laughs> you know, we went and sat with him and just bullshit with him. And he was cool. He was kind of crusty. That little, he was a little guy. But little little did we know. I mean, little did they know. Yeah. One year later, all that Lollapalooza, yeah. all that, you know, what, Woodstock. They were the biggest act in the world. But, you know, they were just making songs. I had, from Lookout Records, I had um, 39 Smooth and what, Slappy, whatever there was. What were those things? You know, I had those, um, <laughs> I had those in the 80s because... Maximum Rock and Roll would say, if you like this, this, and this, you'll like Green Day. If you like this, this, and this. And I remember Maximum Rock and Roll also like offered this glimpse into all this really like sketchy stuff, like Lisa Suckdog. Didn't this shit ring a bell? <laughs> this real gnarly, like provocative, like S&M looking shit. And you know, I'm just from Michigan, man. Like, you know who I found through uh, Maximum Rock and Roll? I found um, Poison Idea, which is uh, you know that classic uh, punk band yeah. of. 500-pound guys. You know, these are gigantic <laughs> Portland dudes. I love some of those records, but yeah. that's what I knew from, like, you know, when we came out here, I was like, okay. I know there's, like, Heat Miser, which is kind of indie stuff, and I know Pond, and I know Hazel from Sub Pop, right? Right. I know those things. And, okay, that's, like, the smart indie stuff, but there's also this kind of crusty punk stuff here. There's the Dead Moons. I never saw them, though. Right. But I knew about it, you know, um... So, well, yeah. yeah. Anyway, next question. Sorry. No, 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 no. no. That's no, a great We're going deep. Yeah, no, no. no, I love uh, going deep in yeah, the Portland punk scene in the 90s. No, that's. that's and what is it now? Well, like the Portland real estate scene. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I'm selling my house to some Bay Area prick for nine times the price. And, oh, you don't like it? Well, too bad. Either sink or swim. Man, freaking me out. Freaking me out. But anyway. But I, I think there is an, an interesting, I mean, about Portland, right? You. It, You've settled here. A lot of people, they get here, and I think there is a a tie to that 
appeal that you saw in skateboarding. There, there, there is a openness to this city and, and, and a maker quality and, and an authenticity, well, to much of the city. <laughs> well, it's changing, of course. But when we got here and we were little kids, I loved Chloe's Reading Frenzy zine store. I didn't really buy a lot of it. I have a shoebox somewhere of it. But they were a quarter for a zine. Like, how cool is that? Some of it was good. Comet bus or... I mean, whatever, you know, that was my introduction to, like, indie, indie, indie stuff. And it was like, we could have a store that sells those here. The record stores were raging, yeah. you know, in those early 90s here. But here's the thing is when you went and got lunch, you had the feeling that it wasn't owned by, I don't know, Taco Bell or something. You didn't go to any of those sorts of places here, you know. That's all we had back home sometimes, you know. There were a couple, like, dives you would go to, but it was like people were still smoking in restaurants, and it was like, ugh. <laughs> but here, you go to these brunch places, and the food was, like, good on a Sunday, and now you wait two hours, and ha, 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 Portlandia, this and that. But I did – I'm really proud that I – I'm really thankful that I got to live here as long as I did and when it was small and kind of dumb and not cool. If L.A. and New York are cool, and they are, they'll let you know. Uh, I got to see Seattle go through the cool and then be ashamed of itself and still be pretty cool. <laughs> but Portland kind of skirted all that stuff. No, no, that's just two years now, and we're going crazy. Three years now, it's 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 arrived. It's all changing. That sensibility of small is okay. See what I loved about coming here? When I left Los Angeles where I worked, I, I lived 40 minutes south of Los Angeles, but it's still kind of L.A. It's Orange County, but... When I left it, you had a very, very disarming, nauseous certitude in your face saying, you will never own any of this here and just be okay with it. I mean, my friends constantly from down there, I'll never be able to buy here. Okay. The day I got to Portland, that was gone. You could buy a home. You could own a little, have a little life. You could have a shitty Volvo. I mean, all these cliches in town. Right. That's why it's so awesome. Because you could have a shitty face, a <laughs> shitty life, a shitty job, and still have a killer life here. Now, I know that still exists, but it's bought up by things and stuff and groups and uh, real, you know, real estate things and investment groups. And it, yes, with a knife. Looks cute and indie and, oh, look at us, we're camping and all these sorts of things. But you can smell that it comes from a place of, like, business plans you can smell that, and it's scaring me. But I, I can't be bummed. I had it from 2002, which was probably at the – I mean, I was out here in 93, but just coming up for six, seven years on weekends. Right. see stuff. We go back to Bend where it was just like happy hippies and shit, you know, small. It was small. Yeah. I, I grew out of it quick, you know, within a couple of years. But how it's changing now, and I, I don't want to waste any airtime on this stuff, but it's like – it just – freaks me out that, you know, it takes me 35 minutes to get from Sandy and 67th yeah. down to where I need to go today, you know, Broadway, just downtown, to go drop stuff off at Hand Dye Supply. It was like, that's 40 minutes. Yeah. Now, five years ago, mm, it was 15 minutes. Yeah. And now it is bumper to fucking bumper, and people are honking, and people are getting in, like, in little fender benders because they're going too fast. And I, I know it's so, you guys have already heard this a million times, but I'm already sad that I don't... Like, it was a privilege to me to, like, do the speed limit. 
Right. Never even think about it. I'm just going 30, man. Oh, you remember how Sandy the lights used to be timed so well, right? Oh, listen, I have done that gauntlet. I mean, (laughs) at night, I know how to time. Oh, fuck. I mean, I've lived there 12 years up and down that thing. But that's done. (laughs) Yeah, no, you can't get through. It's just too many cars. And it's it's okay. You know, it's okay. Shit's changing, but... Yeah, I don't no. know. How, I don't know how to. I don't know how to reconcile because it doesn't make me want to stay here. It makes me just kind of go, "Fuck it, let's go to Boise. Let's go to Salt Lake." Right. No, I'll go to Madison. Right. I'll go to uh, Bloomington, Indiana, mm-hmm. or uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, or Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm-hmm. See, I'm not saying Chicago, Detroit, Minneapolis. Right. You don't need to be in those anymore. You can be in St. Cloud, Minnesota, and have. Best Buy, Apple thing stuff, all the shit you need, you know, like <laughs> delivered right to your doorstep and be like in a small, quiet, like nice place to raise your life and your kids kind of place. Right. You don't have to be like smack dab downtown New York. That's like, who cares about that anymore? Yeah. Who even gets to do that? You know, it's more like Portland, I loved coming here back in the day because had record stores, cool places to eat. That's everywhere now. Right. You can get that in Chattanooga just as much as you can get it here. And your house, the two by fours cost one quarter what they do in Portland. Right. So what the fuck? Go back and spend 150 grand a place there, have a castle. <laughs> spend 150 grand a place here, lock in rent for three years. I don't know, whatever this is. Sorry. No, no, all no. over no. you guys, sorry. No, 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 you're fine. Um, like the, so one of the things we do for, for the explain is we'll travel and talk with clients uh, all over the place. And I, I had the opportunity to go to Senegal. Uh, and so oh, wow. we were doing a project with the Millennium Development Goals uh, Center that was there. This guy named Amadou, uh, cool cat. He 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 had a picture of himself with like Bill Clinton, a picture of himself with Bono, and you know getting getting all the you know funding oh, money wow. to try to try to solve world poverty, like yeah. hunger, like like yeah. serious goals and stuff. One of the things we we did when we were talking to, to to that group was, what do you do in your free time? And he said, well, when I'm not working, I'm working. And, yeah. and I feel like you kind of have a little bit of that, like like oh, yeah. you're when when you're not working on a client project, you're you're still so devoted to what you do that that you don't have a lot of like. I mean, I think your job is your hobby, and your hobby is your job a little. Absolutely, is that, is that I true? Mean, it's completely to a, you know to like some weird level, you know, completely true. Because the moment that you find out, like I remember having to wrap my head around this reality: you're gonna hate your job, you're only gonna make enough. If you work enough hours, you get a little extra, then you can go do stuff with it. And like being okay with that. The moment you find out that there's another side of that coin, how how could you ever not take every job? You see what I'm saying? I got shown that. And then I was like, oh yeah? I like what I'm doing. I like who I'm working for. I'm getting paid well enough. Probably could be better, but who cares? I'm making more than I thought I was gonna make. And I live in a mellow place. I got ahead quick. And I'm not trying to be braggy, but I got ahead. And, you know, when you're 20, so I'm 42 now, when you're 34 years old and you have a couple hundred grand in the bank, that happened to me. Wow. And it was like, what do I do with it? Well, I paid my house off. I paid my house off. I went and I sent a check for $154,000 or something and just paid all off and the girl with the little she had tattooed underneath her little blouse she was like you know she's like pay it off at Wells Fargo fucking pay it off Aaron. just pay it off and you will be so free they want you to do this and pay because I was paying 
what is it? What does it even yeah. mean? Like if you have like a mortgage like everyone has, yeah, no, you're, you're paying, paying twelve grand a year that just never comes back. Right. So in that five years there, I paid sixty grand you'd never see just to hold the note. Yeah. That day I lost everything, but I gained everything. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just because I got ahead. Because here's the deal. My partner Goo, my other partner, Dave and Goo I work with. But I remember Goo telling me, get five grand in the bank. You get five grand in the bank, that'll turn to ten. It'll turn into twenty. Next thing you know, you might have fifty grand in the bank. Because you can save when you have money to pad. You can start to dream and take risks and things. Before I knew it, I had a chunk in the bank. But I went back to zero. And then I've saved back up. But it's just this weird thing where it's like I had reconciled in my mind that I would always have $1,200 or 200 bucks or a couple grand. You know what I mean? Right. I'd just be okay with that because it's a plane ticket home to Michigan to see my parents. It's records if I need it. It's if I get sick, I can cover it myself or something. I've, I at least had those bases covered. And when I got myself free from all of that worry, Midwesterns, Midwesterns love to worry. You know, when I got myself free from all that, this did not. This wasn't a job anymore. This was a sprint to be like, holy shit! I just made my next five years better, and now I'm staring down. I have a decade covered if I play my cards right. Now that means you can't you can't go out and buy brand new cars and things and stuff. But Portland taught me that you don't need all that shit. What do you need? Some cable. And I love how this fucking town has to be the first one at the table always to say, I don't even own a TV. Well, I do. <laughs> we watch programs and cops marathons and all sorts of bullshit every now and whatever. Not every, whatever. We'll go home and lay down and watch TV for a couple hours. And I'm on the couch working. Yeah. On my laptop. Pecking away at a logo. Surfing for things. Prepping for the next day. Because it all is just drops and drops in the bucket of holy shit did I get away with something awesome. That's it. <laughs> so it's a sickness because I can't stop. I have been slowing down. Uh, this year I haven't really done any client work but a couple things came along I just could not say no to. Right. You know, some bands and a big Hollywood gal. Yeah. Couldn't say no. So I took them. So I'm right back in it but it's not like, okay. Are you trying it. to get out of client work? Yeah, yeah. Because field notes is enough. Yeah. The road has been enough. You know, I did 43 shows last year. Right. It was one a week, we'll just say, and it was, they're substantial. That's a, you know, you get paid to go do the show. You bring merch and sell the merch, and it's like a, a, a nice salary. Field notes, then that, and then doing client work, sure. And then what about all the merch I sell? And I sell a lot of merch that no one ever sees. That Lee ships for me, and we just bust out of the shop, and there's a profit to be made, and there's planning and things. But... What's the hardest buck you make? Well, it's the client who says, go right, left, up, down. You know, no one says that when I'm making coin purses. Right. But I still sell them at some level. And it's like, so let that stuff go. Because it got to the point where I was making too much, and then you have to give too much back to Uncle Sam. Yeah. So I got weekends back, you know. Yeah. As weird as that sounds, I've got them back. But I'll still be excited to go in from like a 12 to 6 shift when no one's in the shop. Right. And I can play my guitars, I can work on things, I can get ahead on certain things and clean things up. Because this is not the kind of life or job that something that you have to drag yourself screaming to. You know, you guys should come over sometime and see it. It's not that. You know, there's probably days in here where it's really fun to come to work, and there's probably days it's not fun to be in here. I get it. That's life. Right. My shop, too. But, man, 9 out of 10 days, I am totally pumped to be in there. Yeah. And I can't get down there quick enough because it's just this weirdness of, like, 
I can pull this off today. That is another drop in the bucket of like never having to mess with anything like uh, planned out. This is all unplanned kind of now. So that's a weird position to be in with this book happening now and stuff. It's like, oh my God, what do I do? So I'm just saving. And maybe I'll take it home and build a home or... You know, I, you know, I'm back in with my, uh, back with my personal trainer a lot to try to get down to a nice fighting <laughs> weight of 116 pounds. I, my my goal is uh, 2126. I should be at the right, you know, in 116 years based on losing a half ounce in your earlobe every year. Um, but that's you know that's a different focus than like just working all the time. Like I was gonna say, longest answer ever. But I look back, you know, when I was making the book, there was one year. There were 58 logos I did in one year. Like wow. 58 things. And it was just like, I just took everything. Some are shitty. Mm-hmm. Some are for your buddies and they're just fun. Some are like big and 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand, whatever. It was a big year, but I didn't need it. You know, sure it's nice because it got ahead, but until you cut that check to Uncle Sam at the end of that and realize that you just worked your weekends and gave them back. Yeah. That's some weird little bit of mental fuckery that is hard to reconcile, you know? So <laughs> the balance of this stuff, I'm, I'm learning. Right. Because when you come from nothing, you take everything you can get to, to make it work. Yeah. And it's hard to pair, to downshift from that momentum because you're afraid. You're afraid it'll go back to uh, some weird ultimatum where it's like, you're not going to like your job. You're not going to get paid enough. You know, that kind of shit. People have to, like, wrap their heads around that shit. I did. Yeah. I haven't felt that in a lot of years. So, you know, the theme of this talk should just be I'm fucking thankful. I've yeah. worked, but it doesn't feel like work. That's why I can't disconnect the two. You know, like you're right. Right, right. right. Long no. answer. No, no, no. But, answer, but, answer, ask me something cute like, what's your favorite Pantone? Oh, it's Orange 21. I was hurt. What's your favorite logo <laughs> and what's the oh. worst logo? Oh. Not that you've done, like, in the My world. favorite logo is probably the Bicentennial logo, you know, it's old, you know for old Uncle Sam. Oh, sure. But, um... Bicentennial logo, Bruce Blackburn, 75, 76, Tremayev, guys, Marlos, guys. Worst logo, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of bad ones. I'm just careful with that stuff because I understand that when you release a product and put it out in the world, it's stressful and that people didn't just make it overnight. Sure. And then people will say, like, you know, yesterday they were like, what do you think of that new Instagram? And I was like, what do you care? Have you ever paid for Instagram? You never have. You use it every day. And you're bitching about the look. Do something better. Do something better. What? It looks clean and gradienty versus gradienty and web point two or whatever it is it looked like, you know, a day ago. Right. Both are fine. You get to enjoy it. And I love Instagram. I got a big old account growing all the time and I just try to enjoy it and, and ham it up and stuff and share bullshit. But it's like this this thing where like they were like asking me to weigh in on I couldn't because it's like someone thought about that. They thought about how it works on this little icon on the thing, you know, which I'm tapping on right now, our our little Yeti microphone. They thought about that little graphic. Could it be done better? Sure. But you know what's interesting? They got it done. Right. And it's there for me to, like, weigh in on. I just, I'm real careful. I'm sorry it's not a good answer. No, that's a a great answer, actually. I I love that answer. There's things like, there's things like. That's a best answer. Well, there's things like the London, remember the London Olympics? I still don't Mm -hmm. understand. It's like all those years of history and years of form making and a certain vernacular that was felt like the sound of the Olympics. And they come out with that like jagged <coughs> angular thing as some kind of like contemporary, like it's just fashion. That 
is something that comes to mind because it was just very like the spirit of world um, excellence and cohabitation right. and these bigger things. This idea of elevating above colors and, and borders to come together and just enjoy the human body or something. You know, it's like it turned into some fucking like elite thing. That scares me because... What does a guy in Brazil who's just a dumb fucking soccer guy think about that? He just right. doesn't even look at it. He could care less. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I just, I'm more impressed, or let's just say unimpressed, by the amount of people that will weigh in as if they knew what they were talking about. <laughs> Hillary's logo. Oh, here come all the experts. Go look at their portfolios. Horseshit, and yet they're telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about. When I was like, "Well, it works well in a square," and she's going to be your president, so get ready. Yeah, yeah. I love Burn. All do I love Bernie? But you know, that's also the pipe dream quality. You know, I love him. Yeah. He's like a little jewel to me. But it worked this big, which is the size of what pizza box, and it works on your little app and stuff. And someone, you know, Beirut and his team thought about that shit. And that's called good decision making. Yeah. But what's interesting is everyone got to weigh in because it's like a little ping pong sport now. Hey, man, comments cost nothing. And people love <laughs> to just be the expert. So I just always, whenever I hear that shit, I just go, well, here come the experts until you <laughs> click on their fucking portfolio. And it's derivative horseshit that looks like every other ampersand thing going on right now or some stupid little thing about nautical this or right. some stupid little thing that says fuck haters or whatever stupid shit that's going Or a bunch of dumb Yoda remixes. Listen, I have been making fun of this shit 20 years because when I came into this in 95, 96, it was terrifying to me to think that I would have to go and try to design like David Carson. Right. Because that's what the fad and the fashion was. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> But I was made fun of for it because I just wasn't interested in it. I tried my hand at it. It was gobbledygook and it was um, arbitrary. It was just like, fuck, I just look, spill out the page and then pretend it actually means something. Right. No, you know who was way better than? Like Amtrak timetables. Yeah. Because that's called design that everyone gets to enjoy and use and live and die by, not just fuckers who can afford it. Sorry about the language, but that's where my inclination will always be design that everyone gets to use. Street signs. Right. Not just those who can afford it, you know? So, right. I don't know. So, like, you know, when people say, we do the Instagram, it's like, hey, you get to download it, my uncle does, and then you guys do, and then, like, some 14-year-old kid does. The whole gamut. Right. It's got to work for a lot of different people. Before you open your big mouth and that big comment, <laughs> you know, think about that. Like right. My mom, who's 70s, using that shit. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I think that... Um, it's interesting. Well yeah. No, it's, it's really well put. I remember reading at one point as I was thinking, I, I was going to be a fine artist. That was originally the direction I was going to go. And I remember, like, reading, don't, you know, it, you want to be critical of things that you that you look at, but be most critical of your own work, right? Oh, like, yeah. like, you know, be, be critical for your own, but don't, you know, like, like don't say, oh, I could have done better because well, you didn't do it. Yeah. You know, you know there's, a, there's a weird, I think about this stuff a lot because I have a hard time with, you know, anytime some troll comes in there. Because all it is is, like, until you click on the troll that has really beautiful, thoughtful work, then you really kind of go, oh, yeah, I see why they're saying this. But that's Those not people really, are usually pretty... But that's not really the case. That, that's yeah. not really the case. It's yeah. just some, like, peckerhead who's just, you know, just <laughs> littering on the Internet. I get it. I get it. It's fine. They have, yeah. to, they have to wake up and sleep with, you know, they have to go to bed with that each night knowing that stuff. But the idea of is it old-fashioned to think that 
and I work hard and I don't want to litter the internet with all that kind of like vitriol, maybe it's a little old fashioned because I just know that, you know, your name connected to something means something, you know, and yeah. I try to exhibit that in my work. But I will say, as I was building my website and my brands and my things in the, you know, let's just say early 2000s, I had to tell it like it is kind of way, but I was never trying to be hurtful. But if I made fun of some kid rock or some horseshit thing, then I started to see people say, oh, he's great because he tells it like it is. And it was like, well, I don't want to be known for someone who's just going to come out. Because you know who does that? Like Ted Nugent. On the other side, I don't want to be that. <laughs> right. Like just come out and be incendiary for the sake of incendiary. So I don't know if people even notice these things. But, you know, I try to soften it up and just not be so any kind of divisive. If I don't like something, I don't have to like it. I don't, I don't, but I don't need to go and broadcast it either. Because right. I've seen that hurt people, not just from my hand, but, you know, other kids who were affected by who were affected by someone saying something that they looked up to. I'm really cautious about that because I have a lot of kids looking at my shit. You know? Yeah. But here's the deal. People are nervous to meet me. And yeah. I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't exude this, like, harshness, you know, ever. I'll shake every kid's hand. Right. And I have kids, people pull me aside once a night and say, I kind of thought you were going to be a dick. I'm like, but why? Well, people said that you told it like it is. Well, No. I work a lot and I share a lot too, you know, like, right. well, why didn't anyone tell you that? You know, because it's not, you know, people love to be pissed off at things more than they love to like prop things up. I have how many years of bloggery of propping up my buddy's shit? Right. A lot. Proofs in the pages. You know? Right. Right. It's not some decision I made like just six months ago because this, all this shit's happening. Right. No, for years I didn't make a penny and still championed how awesome it is to be a graphic designer and look at the world and share the world. You know? Right. Not just because of the book. Right. And by the way, go buy the book, ddcbook.com, <laughs> $24.95 pre-order. $40 on the, on the MoMA stand or uh, in some uh, 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 Salt Lake City bookstore. Preferably <laughs> ZCMI's uh, graphic design section. Preferably. Uh, there's an art, art book section at ZCMI. Or... <laughs> Horizon Books in Traverse City, Michigan will have my book. That's yeah. my bookstore in their town. Killer independent bookstore. They're going to have our, my book's going to be there, you know? It's so crazy. Yeah. I can't wait. I get to go do a book signing at Powell's, you guys, in June 4th. Come to it. So it's going to be a talk. So cool. Come and hang out. It'll yeah. be weird. And you can hear this bullshit and see the book. And then, more importantly, see like kids who are moving to town coming out to see things. Me, us, yeah. stuff, things, our chantries, whatever. Seeing things and they're coming to these events, it's pretty cool. And sharing this with all of us, it's pretty neat. So you talked about sitting watching TV, working on a logo. Yeah. Right. When you work, when you're doing design work, and and I realize you're not doing a lot of client work at this point. But when you're in Illustrator, is there like a? I'd love to just like hear what your what your setup is, right? In the shop. Yeah. When it's when it's just sort of like all cylinders firing, I have a mouse. Yeah. I have my field notes right in front of me. So here's your, they're right up against me, my field notes with a pen. Right. And then right past that's the keyboard. And then you, I have three monitors. I have a monitor, right. I have three 30-inch monitors. And one monitor is basically, you know, like, is like iTunes yeah. and like riffraff. Sometimes I just turn it off because I don't want that stuff, you know. Right. One is just palettes and one is like, you know, like my workspace, you yeah. know. And I learned that lesson a long time ago, like invest in good materials because you're going to be on that shit all day, right? Mm -hmm. So, And the cockpit at the shop, that's, you know, all cylinders. But if I'm 
if I'm at home, right. then I just have a little leather um, mouse pad and yeah. the mouse. And it's like, I'll work, like Lee's watching some Game of Thrones, and I'm in the darkness over in the, like, the living room by the kitchen table, or dining room table. I'm in the dark, and it's just mouse yeah. to this, and, and then key commands over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's next level. That's B. Right. C is on the plane. Where you can't, you don't have a mouse, and I just have to use my little crusty little fucking, you know, cramped up fingers, and I can do it that way too if I'm in a pinch. But I prefer not to, because it's just tough. You're not a small guy. Well, not a small guy. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, yeah, I fall through the cracks. But it's like then you're like, you know, you're like, I can do it that way too if I have to. If I'm in a pinch, if I have to get this thing done. But what I'll do is I'll sketch always first yeah. on all three of those tiers. I'll sketch first and then go in and take a look at a sketch. Or I phone a sketch into me, yeah. lay that into Illustrator and trace over that just to get the geometry, and then go have make nice math. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's been the way forever for me. So if I'm on a plane, and this happens, and I have to sketch first, yeah. and then take a photo, you know, it's like it's like sometimes I just have to like it's just a, I don't know it's like what's the fastest way from A to Z? Yeah. You know I have to like I have to configure. I don't have a Wi-Fi signal. How do I get it? Well, I'm just I simply just look at it on my phone. Right. You know and can zoom in on it or look at it on my page and then go and draw it. You know so right. all of the software is going towards this draggable, clickable with your fingers kind of shit. And it scares the, you know Minority Report. You know whatever you know like <laughs> scares shit out of me because that's not how I learned and. I've been a fucking shit whack of money using a mouse and right. a pencil and that kind of stuff. But Illustrator, InDesign, yeah. Photoshop, uh, PDF to make all my presentations. Yeah. Ferociously uh, dedicated to nice file names and yeah. um, and beautiful file structures. Uh, everything's uppercase in the file names. Uh, the .ai would be lowercase. I have rules yeah. on how to do these things. Um, start a new file. It's DDC one six for 2016 underscore right. something. Yeah, yeah. And if it's you know Design Clash podcast, it'd say Design Clash. You know, and probably one you know, two yeah. words of the never. There's no spaces in my file names. I think as an underscore that goes back to being a Mac nerd 20 years ago. And it was like, oh, yeah. dangerous to have those characters. Yeah. So rarely will you see the little you know out of a Dropbox link. You'll see the little, yeah. you know, the little percentage symbols and shit, which means space. Right. It just always still freaks me out. Yeah, it scares me. It scares me. Someone's going <laughs> to you know, cut and paste and fuck it up or something. So, yeah. you know, and the way everything is going so fast, yeah. it's an art form to uh, understand that threshold. Yeah. And, like, ride how fast it's going and still try to do a beautiful job. It's called craft. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I'm no pillar of health or fashion or good looks, but uh, those files are tight. As a fiddle string, they are. Yeah. I, I, how do I get around? I have twenty, yeah, well, twenty-one years now of files on my things. Right. Well, and to, to build your book, right? I mean, I, I had went you, had all you the not way been back. Meticulous about how you named your stuff. Like, well, that. I will say, the you know the big old N word, narcissism. You know, the big old like, ten years ago, someone saying, "What if someday you got to make a book?" And you go, "Are you shitting me?" But I started making everything three hundred DPI years ago. Yeah. Even at the expense of knowing I have to have more time to back things up. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. These are web graphics. They're all 72 just junk. But I made the big one and then saved out a 72 DPI. Wow. Because it came in handy. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's like some kind of like illusions of grandeur. It's like one buddy saying, someday if you get to make a book, you're going to need high res of all this shit. And I was like, are you <laughs> out of your mind? Well, there's the book right there. So I had some of that stuff kind of you know pre-planned and 
And those, yeah, those are, yeah, those are just uh, hopeful, you know, like, well, maybe if someday I get to do this. And fuck if I didn't. I did, you know. Yeah. So it's a weird thing. And, uh, but, you know, I don't know. You know, like, I love when I go into these shops. I mean, once you get past my desk, it's just like an explosion of bullshit, you know, <laughs> patches and things and the samples and things. But on the desk, I keep it pretty clean. Mm-hmm. I always have a little pile of tchotchkes of things I'm playing with. Little things I've just like uh, Lego guys and pins and buttons and stuff that I'm like, you know, someone gave me or I found in a junk store. Just marveling at the quality, like real reminders of things can be small and beautiful and the logo can work on his little chest. Yeah. The Lego guy. You know what I mean? Those are like reminders to me. Because you forget. You get going fast and you forget that your logo needs to work tiny and big. You know, you forget. Because yeah. it, just, it looked really good at the size of a softball. Yeah, You guys didn't even get any questions in on this, did you? No, that's the best interview, actually. Completely fucking going crazy. That's that's the best kind of interview. Yeah, no, no. Like, what if someone's just just clearing out? Sitting here, that that's when it's... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, the last little little question we had is just uh, picks for places, like like if there are restaurants you want to shout out that we should go to. Oh, in Portland? Yeah, in Portland or anywhere, really. I mean, you've shouted out, like, a a bookstore in Michigan, like... Not just restaurants. Yeah. Anything, anything that you've kind of stumbled onto recently that you're really kind of yeah. jazzed about? Hmm. Well, I don't know. Yeah. It's like I want to say go to the Lardo over on Hawthorne, but then the second time you went, it just was a bummer. So that's <laughs> terrible to say that. But um, <laughs> it could be an app. It could be. A I movie. know. It I'm just trying to think. App. You know, there was a there was an app called something called I think it was called Better Rename. Because what it allowed me to do was all those garbage files back in the 90s. Better Rename allows me to go back and say, okay, here's a whole folder of TIFFs. Mm-hmm. Everything's named dot .final, dot .v1, dot .final, very final, dot .mec, you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> just stupid. But Better Rename is this little app you can do, and you can go and globally add a DDC95 underscore to it to the front. Oh, nice. And go, okay, cool. And then take all the characters and remove all the spaces. Oh, that looks pretty good. All that stuff that's left over there, you can tell it to go make that all uppercase. Or just start the whole son bitch over and say DDC underscore 95, pen and ink tiffs, number one, number two, number three. And then I did a ton of that this summer. So the idea that I could bring those things up to speed to work in my, you know, that is an incredible, it's called Better Rename. Better rename. And that's not, it's three bucks or something. Like, yeah. Because before, one click before that, I was the dumbass going, double click, command V. Oof. Yeah. For and like then, and then. hundreds of files, like a complete <laughs> raging jackass. <laughs> well, you do a little search because you right. learn how to learn. You learn how to solve. You learn how to learn. Like, you right. learn, I don't know how to say it. It's like you learn how to solve problems. Right. I don't need to unplug my machine and go take it to the max. I can figure out how to fix that shit myself. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, because I learned how to do that. But then you're like, this is my problem. Google it. Oh, better rename. One click away. It's on my thing. It's on my laptop. And I have the tightest thing. So, I, like, when yeah. I'm bored there and I'm just, like, enjoying having nothing to do, yeah. I will go back and clean up all that stuff. Because someday, if I even live long enough, <laughs> I can just get through them faster now. Yeah. You know, or to be like, there's doubles and triples of shit. Get rid of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That comes to mind, um, you know, here in town, uh, I'll just say one of my favorite places to eat is Chabatai up on mm-hmm. 50, you know, 54th and Sandy. 
they're like kind of family now. Like we go there at least once every two weeks, and it's beautiful. The food is so beautiful. It's like every color in the plates. You know? Yeah, it's beautiful food. We go there. We go to Labuca. Yeah. Um, um, which is Italian, I guess you know, but not hoity-toity. You know, obviously I love you know sizzle pies because yeah. it's just kind of stupid. You yeah. know, and, and they have I a great do, logo. It got a fucking great logo, but <laughs> but it's more like uh, you don't have to go sit for two hours at that bullshit artisanal stuff because the pizza's no better. Right. That's the funny part. Right. You can sit and wait three hours and pay 48 bucks for some stupid-ass margarita pizza. You'll get a slice of goddamn, I don't know, dick breath over at Sizzle Pie <laughs> or something, and it's three bucks and some kid named Scuzz, and you're out of there in four minutes. I love it. I love it. We need that. <laughs> we need to take the That's edge great. off how smart we're getting. Right. You know? So, you know, to shout these things out, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know. No, I mean, that's good. That's good. little things in town here. Well, uh, Eric, thank you so much for your time. Cool? Like, we really, really appreciate it, you know. As, thank as, you as, much. Yeah.